the way that iOS works is baffling. It still baffles me that there's no numbers on the keyboard with this on top of the letters. That like when I type in like passwords that are frequently numbers and letters combined, that I have to like number letter letter switch to numbers number number. <laughs> it's like so infuriating. How do you, you guys deal with it? You showed us this before, where you like screen capped. Your uh, keyboard. Your keyboard, and you have it all there. My superior keyboard. I don't know how <laughs> iOS people deal with not having the numbers there. There's so many things require you to qu- quickly go back and forth with your letters and numbers that I don't know, I don't know how, how, how to cope with them being separate. That's the timer I set for bullshit. <laughs> well, there it is. Set a timer. We have enough. Do we have enough? It was seven minutes. Yeah. We, we, talked about, we talked about stuff. We laughed. We had some laughs. We loved. We learned. <laughs> We live. We is it live, laugh, is it live, laugh, learn? Live, laugh, love. Live, live laugh, laugh, love. Yeah, we live, laugh, love. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Why Can We Watch This, the podcast where three friends watch a difficult uh, movie, have a little themed cocktail, and then talk about, you know, why we didn't watch it and why it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your good. host for this weekly Della Handy. I'm Chris Ravel. It's a me, Brendan. Oh, Trishler. Brendan, who moved his spaghetti? Wow, way to fucking Wario my spaghetti. entry. <laughs> who moved my spaghetti? <laughs> I can't even get my. Uh, can't get your memes right. Yeah. But. You let your memes be. Would dreams. you call that, what, like an anti Italian meme? I mean, I would call it a cartoon. I would call it a cartoon. All right. Yeah. And remember. I mean, it's like a cartoon with some very, uh, shall we say, interesting opinions on what Italian yeah. people were like. <laughs> so, anywho. <laughs> so, yeah, we're uh, not doing a full episode this week. This is our mini episode. Um, mm-hmm. In two weeks, we will be doing our spooky Halloween episode. That's right. Because it's October now. <laughs> It's definitely October. It's definitely Ooh. October. As we all know, we record this the day it comes out. Spooktober, yep. our spookiest movie of the year. Welcome yep. to Spooktober, bitches. That spooky movie that we'll be doing this year is Crimson Peak, the spookiest movie of 2015. Oh, boy. That's right. It's a gothic romance horror in that order. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro. It's starring uh, Mia Wasikowska, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, Charlie Hunnam, and... Uh, that's, that's about it. It's it's if you, if you like gothic horror romance, then you're in for a treat. If not, then the trailer lied to you. I also think pronounce- like if you're in for gothic horror romance, you're maybe like seventy five percent satisfied. Do you know what your hair looks like when you do that? Like yeah. Ursula the okay. Sea Witch. Yeah. Anyway, what were you going to say? Is that how you pronounce your name? Wasikowska. Yeah. Did you have to look up a YouTube video? I, no, I just looked it up on Wikipedia because I always thought it was just like Wasikowska because she's yeah. Australian. So I just assumed like, oh, you would just say it as you would say it normally. But I guess like her family I mean, surely- is. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact sure. Um, my mom is obsessed with her purely on the basis of her part in a Gabriel Byrne HBO like every day of the week drama that happened for about two seasons, I think, called In Treatment. I remember she, In Treatment. She played one of his patients who was, I th- believe, a gymnast who had broken her arm, and then there's like all sorts of other shit under that. It's very good, and my mom's like, she broke my heart, and for that, I will always be devoted to her career. <laughs> Even so with Alice go. in Wonderland? I don't think my mom saw that. Well, movie. that would do it. Maybe so she should watch Alice in Wonderland and see how she feels down. after that. Um, so yeah, we're going to be having a drink with that, obviously. Yes. Um, what are we doing? So because tea is such an important theme in Crimson Peak, we thought we'd do a little bit of a tea party for this episode. So in addition to like some snacks, some scones, we're doing high some tea. fingy sandwiches, Bitches. some macarons, 
We're also doing a drink called a Measure of Bitterness. It's going to be some rooibos tea, some brandy, and some cranberry shrub that Chris is making. Uh, we don't really know what the ratios will be just yet because uh, we're kind of playing this by ear. And maybe if we need to, we'll have some uh, cranberry juice uh, to sweeten it if necessary. We'll see how it tastes. If I can yep. just put this out there. No, put it back. Well, it's happening anyway. Put Grab your dick it. away. <laughs> Between the facts, yeah. so like a shrub, uh, just to clear that up, the way that this is going to be made is uh, fresh or frozen cranberries. You're going to boil that with uh, sugar and vinegar. And I'll say with a shrub, a little goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So we're adding some rooibos tea, which also has a mild but still pretty pronounced flavor. I think... Speaking of pronunciation, you really pronounced that like a pro. Yeah. I did not believe... Like, we both looked up how to pronounce it. We had to pronounce it. Yeah. Well, we like had to. Yeah, there's also one article that says like the article is called like how do you pronounce word <laughs> T? and it's like here are eight ways I've heard people pronounce it. That it's like this is the right one. It's like thank you for clearing up all the possible ways you've heard some idiots. But say also Rubis. that part of the article was like three paragraphs yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> your article is called how to pronounce that. Like get to the phone. Yeah, no, no. Do you know what that is though? Because it's the same thing that means whenever we ever, whenever we look up a drink recipe. Oh yeah, I know. It's like three blog. paragraphs about like how oh. I came up with this recipe and three what was paragraphs. I doing when I first made it. What was I wearing when I made. Three yeah. paragraphs if you're fucking lucky. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like eight, ten, a novella happens before you get the recipe. Yeah. It's because uh, they're paid ad revenue for the amount of time each person spends on the page. Just the Dickens scenario? So it's the Dickens yeah. scenario. So the Dickens scenario. Dickens they scenario. lengthen the time. That never went away, isn't it? Until <laughs> you get that info that you want so that they get that sweet, sweet ad money. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Anyways. So anyway, I would say in general, if you're going to make this shrub... You want to, you can make a bunch, but use a little in the drink. A little goes a long way. It's very sweet. It's very tannic. You don't want to overpower the drink with it. Yeah. So we'll be experimenting a little bit, I think, to find the good combination for when we also, have Also, be sure to prune it. <laughs> you don't want it to... Like, also, get that dirt off. You don't want to put a shrub yeah. in your drink and have Listen, dirt on it. Ew. Get a little, like, water sprayer. <laughs> yeah. Spritz it, like, every other day. Spritzy spritz. A little bit when it's dry. And you got a shrub. Spritzer, spritzer. Stick it in your drink. Yeah, and you got a shrub. So... For this week, we uh, I got to admit, we were a little, we're coming up a little <laughs> short on topics that we haven't talked about. Because we've already talked about horror movies a lot. Years. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing more to say about yeah. horror movies, I think. Maybe next point. year we'll think of something to say about horror movies. Yeah. This is tangentially related to horror movies, though, I will say. This is how I hit Probably, on Probably, yeah. So, if I may. Sure, go ahead. So, this came up because I was talking to my boyfriend, and I asked him, we're going to watch Crimson Peak for our podcast, would you like to watch Crimson Peak with us? And he said no. <laughs> I said, why don't you want to, like, you know, a pretty acceptable answer, incidentally, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah. not everyone wants to watch Crimson Peak. It's not a great movie. I get it. It's, it's a fun movie, though. It's fine. We'll get to it next week or two weeks from now. Anyway, he doesn't watch it because he doesn't care for horror movies at all. He likes the Scream movies. He likes a couple of other things. But on the whole, Rich will not sit through a horror movie with me ever. Okay. So during Halloween, anytime where I'm watching, like, any sort of scary movie, he will do something that's, like, no newer than the 60s, because, like, anything more recent, I think, just has too much jump scares and that sort of thing. And uh, anything beyond that, he just will not want to watch. So it just sort of got me to thinking, like, it's interesting that you can kind of write off an entire subset, I guess, mm-hmm. of movies and instantly be like, no, you know what? I will not be seeing that. No matter how much people say, like, oh, well, it's not really that scary. Or, like, oh, well, it's a really good movie, despite the fact that it is scary. You'll still just say, like, no, thanks, not for me. Yeah. And so it just got me thinking about, are there any elements... uh of a movie that will make you wholesale write it off, like a genre or an actor-director or just anything about a movie that if you hear that this movie contains this, you will just not want to see it. Any element. Can I... Anything at all. Start by sidebarring? Yeah, sidebar me. Is, like, 
have you, and I'm not, this is like, if Rich, your boyfriend doesn't want to see this movie, he doesn't want to see this movie, yeah. but have you stressed to him that, like, it's horribly misgendered as a horror movie? I have told, yeah. I told him that there is literally <laughs> nothing scary about it. There's yeah, li- there's like, there really is. It no, really, that's, we'll talk about it in yeah. two weeks, but it is not no. spooky. There are it's, elements of it that I would say are creepy. Yes. It's yeah. not like you will be sitting up in bed at the middle of the night being like, what was that noise? Did I see a ghost drift by? The yeah. thing about it is, for me, Crimson Peak is sort of like, um, like an Edward Gorey drawing where you're rationally recognizing how like weird, mm. maybe a little offbeat, maybe a little atmospheric in a kind of like a darkly comedic way it is. But the movie itself, similar to Edward Gorey drawings, they're not scary. Well, repeat that in two weeks. Yeah. What I was, so the, the other thing I had suggested to him when I was yeah. over there last is I brought with me Poltergeist. And I said, Poltergeist is from the 80s. It's rated PG. I know it was before PG-13 oh. was a thing. But nonetheless, it is a PG movie, ostensibly. Yeah. It's not the scariest movie. There are elements of it that are still very spooky, but there are other special effects, especially, that have not held up terribly well. Like when the guy rips off his face yeah. in front of the mirror. Like, it's effective still. I don't remember the guy ripping off his face. It's there. there. It's effective, yeah. but you can tell that it's clearly just, you know, a rubber head, right? Yeah. Because, like, it was the 80s, and we can only do so much. Parts of the Poltergeist got me, at least when I was a kid, though. I mean, there's still elements of it that I think are very effective and very creepy. Yeah. And I think a lot of the practical ghost effects work really well, like how they have like physical like puppets that are sort of superimposed into the image as opposed to just yeah. like a CGI goof drifting past you. And uh, just, I mean, the story in general, right? The idea that, you know, your your house is not safe, right? That's a very unsettling Yeah, I aspect. mean, honestly, what I remember spooking me was the girl in front of the TV. Carol Ann, I yeah. didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that. Was, yeah, she's like hearing voices. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, great. You see her phone, she's like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's as, as spooky as the SNL commercial where the guys are watching football, but they're not really watching. <laughs> no, 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 fumble. Oh, okay. That's low key, kind of a very creepy <laughs> sketch. It's very funny, yeah. but the turn that it takes by the end is a little like, <laughs> "Ooh, is this actually like a Twilight Zone um, episode?" But I will say, like, all, I mean, off of that, like, I also um, I'm not. I'm very weird. I I like horror movies, mm-hmm. I guess, but like, I had to. I have to stop watching them essentially. Um, because t- too many of them sit badly with me. And That's I, fair. I can't, I, I am done losing sleep over movies, which I have done. <laughs> um, it, chapter two, I saw it, chapter one and two, because they, they weren't that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Like, I mean, I guess they're really not that, they're really not the scary to base level, but like, uh, I didn't find them that scary. And I've never found clowns scary, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, like, but yeah, I think we've talked about in the past episodes of like what you find scary and stuff, and it's like a lot of like, um, it was like ironic to me that I don't the things that scare me are things that I don't really believe in in their life like ghosts right. or like demons psychologists well because there's nothing that exists in your world you can really use against that yeah I mean the idea is that like they're not like you can't kill a ghost so like thrillers and like slashers while I'm not really a fan of slashers they don't really scare me because like I can kill a person with a knife or a gun mm-hmm. like that's like a per- like there's a weakness to exploit there the other thing, I don't, yeah, I like ghosts and stuff. Especially like the woman in black where it's like, where it's like, you think you can fix it and then you can't. Nope, she's just gonna yeah. keep doing what she's gonna do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, ha- I haven't just stopped watching them. And so like, it's a very educated choice that I have to make when it's like, am I gonna go see this horror movie or not? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to lose sleep over a movie. Fair enough. Um, but, I mean, there are some easy turnoffs. I can get knock those out of the way. Mm-hmm. I will not watch torture porn. Yeah, it's gross. Either. Yeah. yeah. I have no, I have no problem with blood or gore whatsoever. Mm-hmm. 
But I don't want to see it. I think it's weird and creepy that people like. Well, I mean, is there a difference between like tasteful blood and gore and like excessive blood and gore? Because I feel like I can handle like like I could watch the excessive stuff, but I it, the idea that it's like supposed to be like titillating in some fashion. I guess it's like the idea that like that's the thing that's scaring you, right? It's like that's the thing that's supposed to be having the effect on you. Yeah, titillating. And I would also it's say, not scary, so therefore it's just disgusting yeah. to watch. For me, I want the blood and gore to serve something. Serve the tone of the movie, serve a purpose, like, feed into a larger message, it's whatever. It's a metaphor. It will, or to be like, for example, uh, in the movie Midsummer, there's quite a bit of blood and gore, but it's not the point of the movie. I think it becomes torture porn when just seeing the various ways these bodies are being mutilated is the entire reason of the movie. And I find that to be gratuitous. I also... In theory, I don't have a problem with blood or gore, but a lot of times in practice, I can't really watch it. So a torture porn movie has nothing for me because I'm just like, well, here, here are my hands go up in front of my eyes again. I mean, I gave you guys that warning in A Lifeless Ordinary, and I saw multiple people cover their eyes when I was like, when they, they oh the he pulls the, the blood, blood out of his yeah. I was like, yeah, you don't like that blood. was tough. If you don't like blood, don't look at it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. But no, like. I don't mind, Hostel. like, seeing it, but I don't... Yeah, like, the... I think, actually, related to this, there's another thing I don't like. Is, I mean, it's just gross to look at. It, mm-hmm. It's gross from, like, it's weird that this is what people want to watch, but it's also just aesthetically unpleasing. Another subset of movies that I don't want to watch that people love to watch... Mm-hmm. Um, people love, like, 80s, ba- like, sort of bad movies from, like, the 70s and 80s, right? Like, just, like, sort of, like... Yeah. Anything that's on Red Letter Media a lot. Like, all of those, like, yeah. sort of VHS-era... And I hate sitting... I can't bear to sit through them, even if they're, like, amusingly funny, because, like, they're so gross-looking. People look gross. (laughs) It's, like, grainy, and and all the colors are bled out, and it's just, like, everyone's wearing awful colors and clothes. It doesn't ask if you're perfunctory. Like, it was the 80s, so, of course, they had to have this, like, guy's arm snap all the way back or whatever shit. No, I'm not even talking about gore at this point. I was talking about the visual aesthetic of, like, bad 80s movies. Like, they're grainy and gross, like, they're bland. I don't like the... They don't hold up well. It's not pleasing to look at this, like, bad movie footage that's not been preserved well. Mm-hmm. Um, people are wearing gross outfits, usually. and Like, they're, they, they, you know, 70s and 80s, especially because a lot of these bad movies are, like, action movies. It's mm-hmm. so a lot of, like, buff guys that are, like, too buff, and they have, like, gross muscles. Everyone's like, so sweaty. Yeah, everyone's so sweaty. Yeah. I could not... What was that Hulk Hogan movie? It was so... Oh, it was hard. No Holds Barred was awful. It is one of the most disgusting movies. I mean, like, everything from it, right? Like, you have the scene in the bathroom. Like, yeah. you have the scene where the guy shits himself, where yeah. the Hulk is holding it. You have the scene... Um, but he's wearing awful spandex. Yeah, but he's, like, he's wearing, like, his tiny little bikini underwear in one scene. And his, you just see, like, his glistening, mostly naked body. Yeah. It's just, like, the most unsettling, unattractive thing I've seen in my life. He also just has this leathery, almost melted... Look to his body. I feel like that was just and a then, very big thing in the 80s, right? People were very big into, like, tanning heavily. And, like, look, like, if you were ripped, you wanted to be, like, also heavily tanned. So it was like, look how much time I spent at the beach getting well, pumped. It's a bodybuilder thing, too. Yeah. Because a lot of bodybuilders are super tanned, so you can see the different, like, contours of their muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But especially in Hulk Hogan, it was very tough to take that in combination with an almost entirely bald pate with this, like, thin... Straw yellow, yeah. I mean, no limp hair. He's a gross man to look at. Yeah, he's not an appealing person he's also, to look at. He's also just not an appealing person. Period. No, I mean, he's just kind of gross. Like he had that reality show with his family, and that kind of exposed a lot of shit. He shut Gawker down. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Especially that. <laughs> he basically sicked uh, Trump, one of Trump's BFFs, Peter Thiel, on Gawker because they 
dared to point out that he fucked one of his friend's wives. Yeah. But no, like, if a movie is, like, this aesthetically unpleasing to me, it's a hard sell. I agree with you kind of in the sense that a lot of 80s action movies with a lot of just, like, rippling, muscled people, it's just, like, I feel like there's probably not much of a story to sustain it, so therefore I'm just going to watch people punching each other for an yeah. hour and a half. Yeah. And, like, why do I care about that, And you know? people, I, some people love to watch, like, bad stunts, mm-hmm. like, bad action stunts and, like, mm-hmm. cheesy fighting. I'm like, not for me. No. I don't get any joy out of it. I also kind of feel like the... I feel like there's some examples of 80s movies that are kind of enjoyable for how, like, over the top they go, but in general, I feel like it gets overblown with a lot of these movies, and one in particular, it uh, I went to a... This was several years ago. I went to a friend's house one night where they gathered people to watch this, like, campy 80s classic called Red Dawn, and I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. They, like, hyped it up as, like, oh my god, it's, like, so ridiculous. Like, the communists are invading this Midwestern town, and the teens fight back. It is one of the most dull and boring and repetitive, just, like, it's another team clobbering a Russian agent over the head with, like, a gun. It's, like, There's just a lot of that. so yeah. boring. It's a lot of, like, we people, like, sort of, quote-unquote, discover these movies that have weird premises, but, and they're, like, it's the, they're, like, hype on the premise, but yeah. the execution is, like, we didn't have a lot of money, so it's shit. It's actually Right, shit. it's actually just dull. Yeah, like, we, we couldn't do all the cool set pieces that you'd expect from this kind of thing, yeah. so it's just, like, bad imitation. Right, it's yeah. not over the top. Remember how, like, that recent attempt at adapting the Foundation series or whatever, the, the what is it called? The Fountainhead or Foundation? Oh, Fountainhead. Fountainhead. Well, Foundation was like, the Isaac Asimov. Yeah, Foundation is Isaac. I got my uh, sci-fi people mixed up. Um, so we were talking about the uh, Ayn Rand. Ayn, Ayn Rand, but like yeah. the, where they couldn't, where it's like felt, it's like supposed to be these like movers and shakers right. of the world, but they're in like a high school gymnasium, right? Because the movie has no budget, right? Oh shit! Um, they, keep the re- they keep recasting people in like every movie. Yeah, it was like the trains, training. wasn't it? I haven't seen any of these. Yes, movies. Yeah. trash. Thank you. By the way, all of Ayn Rand's books are trash, so the movies that follow them also tend to be. Well, trash. I don't. I haven't seen. I've read these books. I haven't seen any of these movies. I know that it was like not the first one because the first one at least had some money. That was and my I, understanding too. Then they just sort of yeah, like, they yeah. had some less money. <laughs> well, because the first one didn't perform or make money. Yeah, yeah. by the rules of objectivism, you should be. <laughs> I know. You, you should, should be gone. Yeah, yeah, I know. If you believe in Ayn Rand, you should <laughs> stop making those movies. Uh, so anyway, for me, just go back on topic a little bit. Mm, yeah. I was trying to think of like the things that sort of will prevent me from ever watching a movie, and one so. It's weird to say, because I'm a fan of musicals, we all know this, and I always hate when people are like, oh, I could never watch a musical. Like, the idea that because just because something is a musical, I will therefore never watch it. So, like, it is, like, antithetical to me to go out and say, this whole genre, no thank you. That said, Westerns? I don't care for Westerns. I I don't know why, I just find Westerns... I think it's partly because of there's a lot of... In my head, I know it's not always true, but in my head there is this idea of, like, visual dull sameness, where just Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, there's a lot of nothingness, there's a lot of dirt, there's a lot of desert, there's a lot of just, like, towns in the middle of fucking nowhere, not a lot of green, a lot of orange, a lot of sky. And it's just, like, visually, to me, that is not an appealing thing to think about. The desert's beautiful. There are parts of the desert that I think are beautiful, certainly. I feel like in a lot of Western movies, it's more just like we're in this shitty town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I like the, um, I love the themes of Western. Mm-hmm. I like the character types you get. I like that it's like, it's like a chaotic, like, good scenario. Usually, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's no law. I guess it's just that, like, the Old West in general as a setting has no appeal to me. I'm into it. I'm into God. I was hugely into, like... Cowboys when I was a kid. I think just as with any other genre, there's ones that phone it in and kind of do the shitty job, and there's ones that are really amazing. 
Uh, my dad really likes Western, so I watched it a lot growing up. They have a lot of sentimental value to me, but I completely see what that criticism is. I think sometimes, especially uncreative or uh, kind of phoning it in Westerns, will kind of go in the direction of Christian music, where it's sort of just the same as the other one. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you could say that about most. Yeah, I know, and that's what yeah, I'm saying. So, like, I mean, that's the whole premise of this, right? I know yeah. it's unfair to write off an entire genre because, yes, there are good ones. Like, I will admit to you, I'm sure there are certainly good Western movies. Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen them, but like, you know, like what, like the Wagon Train or whatever the fuck it's called, like How Green Was My Valley. Yeah, right? oh, How Green Was My Valley. There was also um, Paint Your Wagon. Was... Well, that's a musical. Yeah, but it was also a bad Western. Yeah, but I'm saying like good ones. Silverado, I like. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, the... Fistful cl- like, of Dollars. Right, I was going to say the Man with No Name movies, no, like, are supposed to be good movies. I'm sure Silverado's the Kevin Clamour, right? You might like that. I don't know. If actually. you're more into an episodic one, I'm sure you've heard this before, but Deadwood, excellent. Yeah, I, like, have no desire to watch Deadwood, honestly. I just really don't. I don't think he would... I don't think you would appreciate Deadwood, based on what you said about how you why you don't watch... Westerns. I think that's probably fair. I think it's probably a very well-written show, very well It's very HBO, so it yeah. is going to be, like, very good. A lot of cocksuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that, but the actual I do like cocksuckers. The acting and writing is quite good. And I'm sure it is. It's just that, again, for like because of that, I just have no desire to ever watch it. Yeah. You know? Um, another thing I think for me is I don't really care to watch movies or TV shows about characters struggling with an illness that will potentially kill oh, them. Does anyone choose? Does anyone like that? <laughs> I don't know. They keep making them, so they must, right? Wait, hey, so can you, can you I mean, I'm even, just think, you mean? even just thinking, like, th- there was that what Joseph Gordon Levin movie, 50-50. What's the oh, five? I thought it was, like, okay. I didn't see it, but what? What's the, like, five feet apart? Oh, oh, oh shit. The one about the kid who's in like, yeah. uh, quarantine? They can't, they can't touch each other. Uh, right. I think it's, yeah, like, I think it's like five it's feet six, apart. Six or seven feet apart. I don't know. Yeah. I forget how many feet apart they were. Probably changed that, depending on that, the setting. Um, wasn't that Ace of Butterfield? No, it was um, Hot Jughead. Um, mm-hmm. It was? Yeah. Okay. But, like, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about, like, the cancer cutie genre, but, like, the fault in our stars, right? Cancer cuties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, obviously that's right out. But I meant even in things, like, where it's presented as a serious drama. I'm trying to think of examples. Philadelphia, I don't mind. There's as much. also like there's a little more meat to Philadelphia. Yeah, like because Philadelphia is ostensibly, I would say, first a legal drama, right? I guess where one of the characters happens to have AIDS, and obviously that's influencing that's the entire and plot. It's, also, it's addressing a social issue, right? I'm thinking more where the entire point is just that like character finds out they have cancer or you know some sort of neurological disease or what have you, and then the entire movie is just like them dealing with it. Maybe they'll die in the end. Maybe the movie ends with them, you know, resigned to the fact that they will die. You there don't is, necessarily see it, yeah. but just like I don't need to watch two hours of that. Like, I'm sure some of them, again, are very well done, but I feel like I have enough of that sort of thing in reality that I don't need to spend my time watching in fiction. Do you also feel like, generally, because I feel this way sometimes about that genre, of, we'll just call it the Cancer Cuties, of the idea of, like, the entire deal is... I mean, my, my to be fair, Cancer Cuties is specifically geared toward, like, teenage stories of oh, adorable see. children who yeah. have some sort of alienating disease and fall in love. So, it's just in general a story in which the entirety is this character and their disease Right. Do you ever find, because I find this way sometimes, that regardless of where it ends, part of you kind of expected that, and like the trajectory from the beginning to that point is a little predictable? I guess. I don't even think it's that. It's just that I find it depressing to watch someone deal with the effects of a disease for two hours or more. Have you ever seen that really depressing, I think it was a TV movie, about, and it was written by someone who was dying of cancer, like a child who was dying of cancer, Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's sort of like a uh, never-ending story type thing, where like... He is is dying of cancer, and he's, like, envisioning this fantasy world where he's able to, like, fight the disease. I've talked about this before. What's it called? 
I don't remember, man. I found out, like, the last... We were talking about something, and before, like, we were... I confused Neverending Story 2 with this movie okay. in my head. I have never seen any of the Neverending Story movies. So there's a Neverending Story 2, which is nothing like this movie that I've, I've seen about, one but like Because they both have that sort of like back and forth between like the real world and fantasy. I okay. had that same confusion, but this one was like... So I remember a TV movie with a young person watching yeah. this as like a kid, and the young person dies of something in the end, some sort of disease. I don't know if it was one of those like... HIV things that we were very big on at the time where, oh no, he got a blood transfusion, now he has HIV, or if it was some sort of rare disease or cancer. I just remember at the end he dies, and there is a scene where he is imagining himself as a knight. Is this ringing a bell? Um, that sounds kind of familiar. It, he was like a, he was basically like he did fight. I don't know if he was like a knight specifically, but like... okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one that's using a very same method. This was actually, like, adapted from stuff that he'd written. Like, a story that he'd Okay, I, I really, I could tell you nothing yeah. more about and this. And then movie. he did die in real life. Yeah. So it's depressing him all but more than one way. I mean, that's the other thing, too, right? Obviously, if it's, like, watching it and you know that this is something that a real person went through, I mean, obviously, you know, you're watching this and you realize, oh, real people probably do this every day. But yeah. nevertheless, the fact that there is, like, an actual name and face attached to this sort of thing is just, like, such a fucking gut punch to me. I just can't yeah. do it. I just don't want to do it. I mean, on a related note... This isn't, like, a hard no for me, but, like, I am unlikely to willingly watch, a, a, like, any sad movie. Like, I think like, I'm mostly if you go in knowing that the entire thing is, like, sad. Like, the Yeah, like, I don't want to... <laughs> listen, I'm just, like, a fucking... I don't want to be bummed out by movies. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I just stuff like... I'm, you know, shallow in that way. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. I just want to have a good time. Yeah. And I want to escape from reality when That's I watch it. That's though. Yeah, so, like, it's hard for me to watch, like, Bummer. There are, like, things that I find, if it's cathartically sad, I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, could you expand on that? Like, there's, like, a... Speak on that, Lee. Like, like speak a, on that. Can you speak on that? But, I mean, like, do you mean, like, it's sadness, but it's going to something... Well, like, Meet Joe Black. Like, he dies in the end, but I, I find it very moving. Mm -hmm. I see. Because okay. he has, like, a good... Movies about loss can actually will watch a lot of the time. Because I, I sort of like fascinated by loss and grief and like acceptance and all that, and so like, but if it, yeah, it, it depends on like the kind of the nature of the movie. But like, and I like movies about sad people, mm -hmm. but I don't like movies that are sort of like, like I, I would have a hard time watching Schindler's List. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it just seems like a bummer. Like mm -hmm. movies that take place that are like about like war torn places where like everyone's living a terrible life and like. Everyone's struggling every day. It would be a hard sell. And if it yeah. was, like, really good and you told me it was, like, worth my time, I'd watch it. But if it's, like, a movie that's just going to make me feel bad at the end of it, then, like, it's hard to choose that experience. Have, can I just ask, have you seen Schindler's List? No. If I can tell you, it does have a cathartic end. I'm it sure does. it does. Yeah. Like, it explicitly... Yeah, I use Schindler's List because it was, ends. like, one of the earlier examples of, like, when I was... I have talked about this before in other conversations. And, like, that's the easy example of, like, well, it seems like a sad... I mean, it's it's about, like, Nazis and the Holocaust, and that seems like a bummer. It is. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of other movies that I've been, like, specific movies that I've been turned off on. What are some, like, recent, like, really sad movies? What about the Robert Pattinson one where he dies? Well, no, that's yeah. bullshit. That's, that's like, a trick sentence. We're talking about, like, we're, again, we're trying to go for, like, I think an ostensibly good movie that we would still not want to I watch. See. Yeah. I mean... Brokeback Mountain, I'd, it'd be hard for me to watch that because, like, I I know how that. I mean, I know how that ends. Yeah. Um, but like, that's sort of an example. Yeah, I can see that. Um, 
In a way that you you have a distaste for torture porn, is there also a distaste for perhaps misery porn? I where guess. the entire thing is to well, just do porn. Yeah, there's two Sadness. different quality. I think misery porn is a thing. Like we've talked about, like the the Notebook and all that. Those yeah. sort of like sparks. Yeah. Um, I think there are movies that are legitimately tastefully sad and yeah. melancholy. I mean, they're moving. Yeah, and those ones are even. I would include those, which mm-hmm. like the latter category of ones that are like sort of quote unquote good and well done. Yeah, are where I feel more guilty about mm-hmm. like just writing right off, off yeah. before I see them. But, yeah. Like, it's not like I write them off as like, you know, not worth my time. It's more like, I don't want to see that. It's yeah. going to make me sad. Yeah. I'm going to feel bad watching it. Yeah. So, yeah. I have, I have a hard time. In theory, I'm all about learning, but I have um, a hard time with nonfiction. I generally do, too. I don't I really do care to watch documentaries unless it's about something that really interests me. Yeah. You can say that this is a very good documentary, it's a very fascinating documentary, but I still want to devote the time to it. Too many. By the way, I, I'm. if people could stop talking about true crime, I would love it. Oh, but... Well, have, have you heard of Serial? Don't worry. Have you ever heard of Serial? I don't <laughs> you know ever heard, heard of My Favorite Murder? Even today, I was just the like... The first podcast? I was cereal? talking to like some coworkers about stuff, and they were like... And suddenly they were both rattling off like different... Like, they were, t- they were just talking about to Chicago, which obviously mm-hmm. a lot of gangsters, a lot of crime, a lot yeah, of serial yeah. killers. And so then they're like, have you seen this documentary? I'm like, I can't. I can't participate in this conversation because <laughs> I know nothing of what you're talking about. And I don't know why everyone's obsessed with watching like these documentaries about killers. Yeah. I mean, I think it's this weird like cycler rhythm that they hit upon that this was just like the hot thing. There's been a handful of true crime things I've kind of dipped into, but in general, I'm kind of on board with you where I'm like, it's, I thought about this too, where I'm like, am I more comfortable hearing about a real issue through a fiction than I am watching a documentary about it? Maybe I am. I I, well, see, I would also say on that note, I don't want to watch a movie that is based on, like, an actual serial killer or something like that, you know? Like, I just have no desire to watch something like that. You so, Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac is, like, the one because David Fincher is fucking genius. Okay. So, like, I watch that mostly because I think David Fincher is great. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's about, like, the Zodiac Killer is almost incidental to me, right? Like, it's it's an outstandingly good movie that happens to be about the Zodiac Killer. And I'm sure there are other very good movies that also happen to be about famous murders throughout history. Yeah. I mean, I will never see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because we're speaking of things that we can write off instantly. Tarantino, Wes Anderson, what have you. But, I mean... Do you, do you, does that, would you include those directors as write-offs? Yeah, I would. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. But didn't you see the Fox one? The Fox one. Fantastic. I did because I was hoping that that would be the one to like crack for me, yeah, you know, right. that like would get through because like it's based on a real doll story. But it's really one it's of animated. His most, like sleepiest. I mean, it's really one of his most Wes Andersoniest because it's animation, so he has control over every aspect yeah. of every frame, so it can be the most Wes Anderson you've ever seen on a screen. I have an annoying quibble about that movie in which none. I don't think any of the voice acting sounds suited for the character. It literally just sounds like a celebrity's voice coming. I mean, out it of just Fox sounds like Wes Anderson's. Baker Street Irregulars. Have you seen any Tarantino movies? Um, I've seen... Shit. I feel like we've probably covered what ones I've seen before. But I've seen both Kill Bills. Uh-huh. I've they're seen great. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like, they're good movies. Like, yeah. I, I never want to watch can, Kill Bill again. Yeah, that's I how I feel, too. Oh, I've watched it multiple times. Like, I'll, I'll agree with you. You would, you weeaboo. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sad. But I also just enjoy... Tarantino's a weeaboo, by the way. I'm just gonna... Oh, he is. We're gonna that out there. I mean, he has a lot of things, too. Did yeah. you hear he likes feet? Yeah. I mean, Anyways, he did a lot of things. He like for that movie. In fact, he like choked Uma Thurman and spit in her face and coerced her to do this crazy car stunt that like left her neck all fucked up. No, I mean as people, Wes Anderson and Tarantino are both insufferable in their own ways. Yeah, 
One is insufferable in a more, like, damaging physical way. The other is insufferable in just the sense that I could not... I can't imagine myself being in the same room as this person, not, like, gouging my eyes and ears out. So my, like, big genre of movies I usually can't connect to and tend to write off when they first hear about it is sports movies. I'm not interested. I will never... I won't write off a sports movie. I've seen sports movies that I like. So I Chris, have you forgotten the Titans? Oh, I was gonna say... But so I thought about that, right? Because I'm like, I don't really like sports movies, but I do like remember the Titans. Chris, Why I, is that? I challenge you, and I raise you a league of their own. Well, okay, Lee, so, I have a question for you: Is there crying in baseball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes or no? So here's what I put out there. It's about Both. strong, powerful women. Yeah, oh, it totally is. But that's why... <laughs> in, in, in uniforms and funny clothes. <laughs> I was going to say, that's sort of what leads me around to why I can like movies like Remember the Titans and League of Their Own and still dislike sports movies in general. Those are movies that make those characters more front and center than the sport. Mm-hmm. Sports movies that tend to be like, God... This guy's so devoted to baseball. Like, Moneyball. I did not give I don't a think shit about that movie. Sports movie. I think good sports movies are focused on the character. Because I think a lot of times what sports movies are driving is, like, perseverance of the human spirit. Mm. And so I think if you're seeing a sports movie that's about the sport and not about the people playing it, then you're watching a bad movie, period. Very likely true, but I guess I've just found a lot of sports movies to be bad in that way, then. Yeah, I mean, like, Remember the Titans is about, like, this ragtag group of kids. Right, about being desegregated. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I found Hoosiers to be more about the sport than it was about the characters when I was bored. I felt the same thing about We Are Marshall, which was ostensibly about this community coming together, but was so much about, like... Look at Matthew McConaughey doing sports coaching. I'm just like, it's, I'm aware that it's a cliche, you know, not only are like, what about Million Dollar Baby? Gay men aren't really into sports things. Yeah, but I'm just like, I, it just has not connected. I'm for also me in trying general. to think of exceptions to this too. Million now. Dollar Baby. I never saw it. Oh, really? Hot Rod. <laughs> Get out of here. That's a, that's a sports movie, like, fifth down on the list of things that it is. I know. I was just, I was just looking on my, like, my list of movies that I have on my phone and broken down by genre, and it lists of the movies I own Hot Rod, No Holds Barred, Rollerball, and Speed Racer. <laughs> Listen. Rollerball! Like, uh, I have issues with all of those. Resurgence of Memes aside, yeah. The Sandlot is an excellent movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I don't really remember the Sandlot. Mighty Ducks? Really? You haven't seen the Sandlot like no, a bajillion times I, I, as a child? No, I really I saw it a bajillion well, times it as a child, but it's so been, many times. it's literally been since I was a child that I've seen it. It's burned in my brain. Uh, I might still like it as an adult, but Mighty again, Ducks like, that's, a, that's sort of about baseball, but it's more about them. Yeah, but it, like, it's still a sports movie. Like, Any Given Sunday, it's about football, I don't care. Uh, Moneyball, it's about, like, how do we manipulate baseball? Still don't care. And it's all, like, framed as, like... I don't know anything about Moneyball. I've never... I've never it's literally about, like, how Brad Pitt's character is able to get a winning baseball team, even if they aren't winning games. And I'm just... I'm not that intrigued by that concept. I feel like there is, for me, an intersection between sports movies in general and the aspects of action movies that I find least tolerable where you get wrestling movies as like where the twain shall meet which is like a genre that again I hear Rocky's a very good movie I mean there were Oscars won right it spawned a franchise I'm sure that Sylvester Stallone is actually good in it I don't care I'm what a great example cool, cool Runnings though I, Cool Runnings Mun oh god I love that movie that is it also fun. does it help a little bit that Cool Runnings is more of a comedy maybe yes for sure to but keep like, it light you know you can be funny in sports it's a comedy. It's also kind of a kids' movie. It's yeah. also definitely not 
created like a typical sports movie. Yeah. Uh, but no, I would say Rocky's a great example. I saw that. I know people like jizz themselves talking about the amazingness of, I just wasn't was that filthy. interested. Yeah. It's, I'm just not. What was filthy? People jizzing themselves talking about Rocky. Yeah, yeah, uh, everyone, Rocky. everyone comes yeah. and we talk about it. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, listen, I, I mean, this is sacrilegious. I just really wasn't that, I'm, it's, it's about boxing. I don't, I don't care. I didn't care about the warrior for a similar reason. I cared when they dipped into like, he's from Lowell. There's a lot of like weird economic stuff happening, but that was on the side. It's about, oh, you need to be serious. You need to make sure you're punching that guy real good. I don't, I don't care. One of my favorite J-dramas was about a Japanese basketball team. Aww. Why do you say awe? Because it's... You just talked about how much you hate sports. No, but I'm imagining as a J-drama, that must have been, like, much more emotional. No. Oh. I mean, it, it was like a... There was, like, a romance in it, but, like, it doesn't mean... Just because it's, like, a J-drama doesn't change the fact that it is a show about sports, which you don't like. Yeah, sure enough. Um, Field of Dreams, I haven't actually seen that I've in ages. I've never seen it either. I've never seen it at all. I saw oh, it I've once s- many years ago. But, like, ago. because of the fact that it is in a way about loss and acceptance, like, I feel like I should. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I would have, I feel like if I had fresher memory of it, I would tell you that I liked it. But I, I mean, again, going it. from, you know, my own thoughts on a movie that I've never seen before or know <laughs> too little about, I would imagine that also sports feel like a little, I don't want to say incidental to Field of Dreams, but yeah. it almost seems like a backdrop to what else? To like yeah. the human aspects? Yeah. Sports is often like a sort of like bonding. It's, it's like a unity. It's like a device yeah. of unity a lot of times. Like in Field of Dreams, I mean, it's very poignant the fact that like he like he builds his field and like all of these like legends that like he never would have met in real life like yeah. that wouldn't have gotten to play right. with each other. It's all these like you know, these baseball legends that, like, weren't in the same era, and they're, like, yeah. meeting and playing together, and it's, like... It, I mean, I'm misremembering, but isn't there some kind of, like, I'm doing it for dad kind of his shit da- there, yes. too? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he his dad has died, and in the end, his dad does come back, and, like, he gets to, like, play ball with his dad. So that's the shit I care about, those relationships. I don't care about the baseball card of that. That's sort of a vehicle. Oh, uh, yeah, and I, I think you're missing the point of sports movies. Well, I get you. Maybe I've just consumed a lot of bad ones. I mean, again, this all goes back to the entire premise, right? Where while there may very well be good sports movies, it's just not something that Chris. You watch all the bad ones, I think, or you watch ones where like they don't have compelling characters or good premises, but like, or it's just also like just in general, if the hook is sports, you've already begun to lose me, lose me, because I'm just not that interested in that. I mean, even if it was a sport I care about, like swimming, which is one I did, I'm still just kind of like. Do you know what like, gets me about sports movies is that mm-hmm. it's like the one avenue where in in at least the past and mostly today where men can be emotional. And oh, so, like, that's a good point. That's yeah. where you get some of the best like. I was also going to think. I was men. also thinking that like perhaps sports movies are a thing because it allows us to have similar emotional stakes as you would in war, but without yeah. the actual baggage of having to deal with war of having to like good kill point. people. And at the end of the day, you can like shake hands and walk away. Like you can come to terms with the enemy and be like, you know what? Like you guys did a good job well, out there. Yeah. And there's no maybe like massive geopolitical implications. Right. It's like it's it's a very like simplified way to do us versus them on like a scale that most people can understand. And at the end of the day, doesn't require like a pile of bloody dead bodies lying in the middle of the yeah. field. This, good. There's good stuff when there's good stuff in a lot of sports movies. This one might also be like too specific, but typically if I see Brett Radner's name associated with a project, I'm probably checking out. I mean that's fair. Again, like like there's there are a fair amount of directors and actors who He's I think we can all just so bad. I mean even especially taking into an account that he was like <laughs> sexually assaulting a bunch of the women that worked for him. But like even if you just take it in versions of movies 
he fucking, like, Last Stand is the worst X-Men movie. Well. Well, it's one of the worst <laughs> X-Men movies. I, yeah, X-Men Origins Wolverine is always still there for you. I think that's true. It's very hard to make a good X-Men movie. I turn yeah. off from the X-Men movies all I, I would be interested in seeing, like, what Disney does with it, just in the sense of, like, how are you going to, like, make Fix this, this now? Yeah. Um, I think I don't think it's hard. Well, I mean, this would be a whole other issue. I, I won't go into it. Did you actually, I think you could do it. Did you end up seeing Jack Phoenix? It was fine. Like I've I've heard people being like it was the worst. It's not the worst. Again, X Men Origins Wolverine is still there. That's it was not. Worst. It was for my money not even the worst Dark Phoenix story because at least this one like focused on the character of Jean Grey a little bit more. There was a whole other bunch of bullshit happening, and it still didn't do the story well. But it did the story. Mildly better. So I'm going to try to make this a, a fast sidebar, but my main issue with that recent Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. is it made a similar mistake as the first one in which the story is not that complicated to tell and you still fucked it up. I mean, like, you know, there, uh, this is a whole thing. It's a yeah, whole thing. Like, also, I'm bored. I haven't seen this movie. Yeah, I think we could wrap it up anyway. Sorry about that. I will yeah. say that at some point, Chris, we can have it out with Dark Phoenix just love as a it. concept. Would love it. Because there, there's a lot that I could talk about there. But um, I, I think we I wanted to go back real quick, yeah. though, and just to mention. So I also am not really a fan of Tarantino's style mm-hmm. um, for different, maybe different movies on the same reasons as you. I don't have, like, an inherent issue with Wes Anderson. Um but I'm so, not, like, wild about his movie. I yeah. guess what I'd say with Wes Anderson is, like, I don't... There's nothing, like, I outright hate about Wes Anderson. It's just that, like, I keep seeing his movies and they keep not doing anything yeah. for me. So yeah. it's like, I keep watching them and I'm just left in the cold by the end. It's just like, I well, have, why do I care? They're very, they're very samey. They're very twee. I also think they tend to be, like, lauded as these, like, effortless acts of art, which I don't think they always are. Yeah. I have a couple of directors, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Aronofsky? Yeah, that's okay. fair. I think I would. I could probably go without ever seeing another Ernest movie at this point. I, there is uh, one movie of his I really enjoy, though. And um, I forget his name. Eraserhead. Oh, David Lynch. David Lynch. Um, if oh, I don't necessarily like enjoy what David Lynch is doing, I'm glad that he's doing it. I don't like, say. Like I hate it when people are like, "What a weird, what an eccentric." <laughs> So weird. Have you seen his suits? Very <laughs> symbolic. So like, does, get the fuck out of here. Does like, it does it feel to you story. like the um have you ever heard of the idea of like the like the English majors bullshit of the idea of like in every story every character is Jesus in purgatory? Where it's like everyone is able to project all of this bullshit onto David Lynch's movies of like, look how yeah. bizarre, and maybe it's not really that weird. It's not always that weird, and even if it is, like, don't be weird. Just don't. You don't have to be fucking weird and abstract to tell a good story. Like, I'm not like I'm turned off by like excessive weirdness, weirdness and mm-hmm. abstraction. Fair. Like, just tell a story. Like, it's the same thing of how like people when people are into like bands or musical artists that have like really weird vague book lyrics uh-huh. type thing where it's like and people are like they're very like there's very intellectual lyrics these lyrics and I'm like I just like fucking Jim's Diamond where you, our, every song comes down to if girl we don't fucking Ryan know we'll never fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> like just yeah I'm, I'm all about being simple and like plain well I'll also put but this, I mean, especially with the idea of, like, people kind of send these intellectual vague book lyrics, maybe that's part of the deal. If they make it as tabula, as tabula rasa as possible, yeah. anyone can project a higher meaning onto that and think it's genius music. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, how many times throughout it, like, that happens all the time throughout history. Like, Absolutely. Like, I mean, just even, like, the base level, you have, like, the Beatles, right, where people are like, oh, what's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds about? Like, I don't know, I, my son drew a picture, he said it was his classmate Lucy, she was in the Sky with Diamonds, I wrote a song about it. It's like... Yeah, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes yeah. it is nothing. Yeah, honestly, like I, I prefer it when I can like get a reasonable conclusion about what a song is about that I believe is like factually accurate mm-hmm. than a song where like 
me and a friend could have diametrically opposed ideas on what the song is about. I just like knowing that the songwriter Knew? had something in yeah, mind. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to, I definitely don't want the songwriter to have written it and be like, I don't know what it yeah, means. Yeah. Like, no. I want you to tell me what you think it means. Right, and I feel like we've mentioned that with movies before. I think when we were doing Southland Tales, we had talked about the idea that, like, you know, yeah. the difference between a director who may be doing a bunch of weird shit but knows yeah. what that weird shit is versus someone who's just throwing weird shit at the wall and being like, whoa. Yeah, so people that do that, and like, yeah. I think that's also why I've been turned off from a lot of J.J. Abrams type stuff, yeah. because, um, or that sort of mystery box era of, like, Yeah, I mean, I don't love the mystery. I think Abrams is a pretty good... Like, he's a good director. Oh, yeah, and director. I've seen all of his shit. Yeah. I think he's a good director, like, not necessarily the best writer. Yeah, but people yeah. that are, like, people that are all about, like, throwing mystery after mystery, or, like, fakery after fakery, and then, and then there's, like, shrugging and never answering anything, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, but you know, right? You've been, like, you didn't write yourself in Right, like, surely you know the answer to this. Do you ever yeah. get this suspicion with Westworld? Because I sure do. I mean, no, no one knows what's going on in Westworld. Yeah, I have, I have no doubt that I have Westworld no suspicion. Is just, yeah. I am 100% certain that no one knows what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah, that every, like, every season they go back, we're like, okay, like, how do we write ourselves out of this corner now? Exactly! <laughs> how do we write ourselves into a whole new one by the end of the season? They're pulling shit out of hats every season. It's, yeah. It's sort of, at this point, I'm not really that sure I really want to watch season three. I want to watch this because it seems so differently, like... I like premise. I get into it, like I did it with Game of Thrones. I'm doing it with Westworld. Where like I, I, I know it's like terrible. But, like now it's just like a spectacle of like how are the how is it going to be fucking weird this week? Yeah. Like, sometimes it is just fun to like watch something where you know nobody has a fucking clue what's happening, right. and I can't wait to find out what the fuck is going to happen yeah. this week. That's all I got. Wow, that is very true. That's absolutely how I felt about Game of Thrones, kind of from like six on. Yeah, us. it was, I was like just sort of like. Whatever you want to do. There were stages. After season three, I was like, all right, I can't just care about the show as our normal show anymore because <laughs> terrible shit happens too much. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to watch it for the spectacle. And then after season five, I was like, well, this show's really gone down the fucking brain. <laughs> but, like, I'm invested. Now it's just fun to see, like, what kind of, what crazy shit is going to happen next. And then by the end of eighth, we were just like, nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. What game was that? Wasn't I playing a game or watching it? Oh, I was watching that show W, and I was talking to you about, like, <laughs> yeah. that was an example of that where I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, every episode was, like, some crazy twist. Like, I can't, I'm kind of into that. Like, I don't think it's good storytelling. But if you're, if you're going to do it, be, like... Wild. Be good. Be, like, some sort of, like... Mm. Yeah, like, magician. Dave, be, like, a David Copperfield and just, like, <laughs> whip up your Wait, cape aside. you mean, like, Chris like, Angel Mind Freak? <laughs> yeah. At the end of our episode, just have some sort of crazy shit happen. I'll be like, fucking, whatever, man. <laughs> find out what happens next week. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it with style. Anyway, uh, anyway, I've got nothing else to talk about. Anyway. Yeah, I think we did good. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we'll be back in two weeks with our full-length episode on Crimson Peak. Sorry, I just took over for you there. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I forgot I was hosting. I, I, just, I was just like, I guess, in the mood. Uh, it's a low-key well, one. Yeah, and anyways, uh, dradpack.com. That's, that's about it, right? Facebook.com slash Facebook. podcast. That's about like it. Uh, we'll be back, as I said, two weeks. Crimson Peak, Halloween Spooktacular. Get ready. It's spooky, but Ooh. not really. It's not. All right. Bye. Bye.